Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hey everyone, I hope you all are doing well. Welcome back to Walking with Freya. Um, things are good here, so, um, you know, I mean, we have uh, a couple little slip-ups here and there. Actually, I've had a couple moments recently that have been, you know, pretty full-on PWS, (laughs) OCD struggles, but I think that was because um, of some of a stressful event that was coming up, but that has passed, and things are well now, so, yeah. Take them as they come, right? So this Friday is Freya's eighth birthday. And as many of you can probably relate, if I look back on how things were when she was born, how confusing and terrifying and upsetting everything was in the beginning, all that grief and the fear and the questions, if I take all of that and look at where Freya is today, for me, it is a powerful example of how resilient we parents are and how promising the future can be even when we fear the worst. That there is always an opportunity for hope, always a chance at growth, and the future can surprise us. Just as we get knocked down at times by what life brings, the sudden defeats and traumas we experience, we should also remember that life can sometimes hand us miracles. That some obscure power can offer us blessings wrapped in lessons moments to reflect on the important aspects of our lives, opportunities to learn how we grieve and find the ways we thrive, what we are capable of, and to see all the many appreciations that we have for the love in our life and for the beauty that is around us. So, happy birthday, Freya, you little powerhouse. (laughs) I am constantly learning from you about you and for you and this is a journey with no end and I am beyond grateful to be on it with you so thank you now as many of you know uh, Freya has Prader-Willi syndrome and I recently got to speak with a new friend of mine from Vermont her name is Jessie and she is also raising or has raised a child with PWS he's getting into adulthood now Her son, Griffin, is 17 years old, and I am inspired and intrigued by his story. From very early on, Jesse says, they learned to treat the Griffin syndrome rather than dive into all of the possibilities and potentials of PWS, go down the rabbit hole of of every possibility that could that could happen or, you know, every struggle you could have. They they took Griffin as as a as a child, as an individual, as who he was, and they managed what came up for him personally. Now today, Griffin is a motivated and confident young man who is in tune with himself and is able to advocate for his own needs. 
This does not mean that it's been an easy road for Jesse, for Griffin, or for their family, but that they have found a way to live a good and full life with PWS. And the future for Griffin is wide open. Now we're getting into Halloween time, and I know that can be a very stressful and uh, painful time for many of us, especially with our kids, whether with PWS or on the autism spectrum disorder, kids with special mobility issues or with diabetes. I mean, the gamut, even for, you know, typically developing children, again, with my air quotes, typically developing children, uh, Halloween can be a really stressful time with all of the sugar and the chaos and the costumes and the, all of that stuff. So I just wish you all well. Good luck to you all out there. Um, we will all get through this one way or another. Uh, we might come out of it frazzled on the other end, but uh, we got this. We can do this. So if you have any tips that you want to share um, in the Facebook group, or you can email me and I'll, and I'll put them out on Instagram or in the post somewhere. If you have, uh, if you've, if you have some life hacks for surviving Halloween, let us know. For me, um, with PWS, since food is such an issue, but I've done this with all of my children, we we let the kids go trick-or-treating, but they know that they only get a few pieces of the candy, and then we get the rest of the candy, and then um, I take them to the dollar store <laughs> and let them pick out, like, three things of whatever they want. And it works with my two littlest ones because they don't, you know, because they don't, you know, uh, a do- they're happy to get art supplies from the dollar store. It's still exciting for them. So that works. Um, my teenager, I think, probably just gets to eat the candy at this point, although the little ones don't know that. But for now, uh, it works for the little ones. So I know some people do the switch witch. Um, they make a bigger ordeal out of it. Or not ordeal, but they make a bigger thing out of it. And, uh, you know, the candy is gone in the morning, but in its place is a special toy. And so that can be exciting. So if, you know, the candy is an issue, that's one of the ways um, to to deal with that. Because uh, when your kids do go to school and they're around other kids and other kids are talking about trick-or-treating, it can be, you know, kind of a hard thing to not be involved. Although I'm sure plenty of people are not involved. And if you have ways to avoid that to make it easier, um, yeah, just just uh, let us know. I also like to go to the parties where there's a lot of storytelling. There's a lot of that around here. And so we kind of try and focus on that. So, you know, anyway, uh, like I said, good luck out there. And um, I hope it all uh, goes smoothly and as peacefully as it can. And I hope that you find this interview engaging and inspiring and Please don't forget to leave a review uh, about the podcast because that really helps ratings and reviews and tell a friend. Okay, good luck out there. Thanks for being here. So, hi, Jesse. Hi. Um, we are here to, we're going to talk about your experience raising Griffin. Uh, he's now 17 years old and he has PWS, Prader-Willi syndrome, which for anybody that's new to the podcast, um, there's a lot of, uh, this is the same diagnosis that my daughter has. So there's a lot of past episodes that talk about it. So we don't necessarily need to go into the details too much of the actual syndrome. But if you um, just introduce yourself and maybe your family, if you're comfortable with sharing your family members or just saying, you know, if you have siblings or not, 
And then um, maybe just talk about a little bit about some of the ways, like some of the more main characteristics of the ways that it manifests with Griffin. Sure. Um, so Griffin is 17 and he has a brother, Elliot, who's 15 and a daughter. And I have a daughter, Ava, so Griffin's sister, who's 12. Um, and we live in Vermont in kind of rural, small town Vermont. Um, the, the ways that PWS manifests with Griffin has, you know, I feel it, it can change daily or definitely um, over the years. Right now, uh, hyperphagia is an issue, which is kind of anxiety and a drive for food and just anxiety in general is one of his challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, some like reading facial cues, social interactions, there's some challenges there. Um, probably one of the most frustrating things is Griffin is really athletic and really identifies as an athlete and he's really prone to injuries, um, sprained ankles, he's dislocated his patella twice now because of the weak muscle tone. So, you know, when you look at him, he's very fit and looks strong, but kind of the fibers that hold those muscles together, the weak tone still is an issue. Mm -hmm. So that's really hard. And just like anybody when they're injured, it, that's, that's a hard time, especially for teenagers. So that's been hard over the last couple of years dealing with that. Um, so this is the main manifestations now. Yeah. And how does he... How does he recover well, or does it take longer? You think it takes longer, and his you know, he often ends up with strange complications. Um, it, I, I, when you go to the doctors with Griffin, you pretty much always hear, like, huh, we don't usually see this. Um, <laughs> So we hear that a lot. Um, so it it's always just kind of like a little bit of a twist on what's normal. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I think is really challenging is I think it's much easier to get out of shape when you have PWS. So for somebody else, if they had to take a month off, it would be easier to come back from that than it is for Griffin. Mm -hmm. So that buildup of rebuilding your muscle and your strength and making sure that you don't re-injure yourself is more of a challenge for him. Mm -hmm. And exercise in general is one of the best anxiety reducers for him. So when that's taken away, um, it's always a scramble of like, okay, let's now we're going to go to the swimming pool and maybe we can water run or just always trying to find other options where he can move. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, and how old was he when he was diagnosed? He was seven when he was officially diagnosed, although... Oh. He was one when I diagnosed him. Okay. You, at one, you, you suspected Prader-Willi syndrome? Yes. So he was born, um, you know, looking back now that I've learned more and heard other stories about PWS, I'm really surprised that they didn't catch it. Um, he didn't have a sucking reflex. He was two weeks late, but covered in vernix. And now I realize that's because he wasn't moving as much in the womb. But in the hospital, they were, they were just like, nope, he's a preemie. 
he's covered in vernix. He's a preemie. That's why he's not waking up. That's why he doesn't have a sucking reflex. And they just really didn't look at other things. So when he was one, we went to a geneticist before um, trying to have our second child, just, you know, to make sure, because there was a lot of, a lot of the things that are typical with, with PWS babies and our pediatrician just recommended seeing the geneticist. And the first thing that they wrote down on the paper was small hands. And I went home and I Googled small hands and PWS was one of the first things that came up. And so I, I called the geneticist's office right away. I said, oh, oh my gosh, this is, this is it. I just can't even wait for you to call me, right? Should we come back and <laughs> blood work? And to me, I looked at the boxes. I'm like, check, 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 check. And she said, no, uh, I thought about it. And he doesn't have it. You know, you don't understand. And I'm like, well, what about this? What, you know, what about the fact that he wouldn't wake up for five weeks? What about the fact that he had no sucking reflex? She said, no, you don't understand. These babies are really floppy or um, in the NICU. So for the next six years, I think every doctor's appointment, or I know every doctor's appointment, I just waited for them to finally realize it. And I brought it up a lot and they would say, no, here's why he doesn't have it. And then when he was seven, um, the endocrinologist, I mean, he was seeing all these same doctors that you would see because of the the regular issues that come up. So he had regular endocrinology appointments and hmm. the, he was born with undescended testicles, um, which I think is how we ended up with the endocrinologist. He was, you know, got some speech therapy, occupational therapy, PT. And they finally said, we, we see you're having so much anxiety over this. We're just going to do this test. So because I got to the point where I couldn't really go to the doctor's office anymore. I would have my husband go. And they called and they were like, oh, we're so sorry. We spun the blood so we can't run the test. You're going to have to come back in. And it was so hard for them to get blood from him, which mm. is typical with PWS. So another year went by and they were like, but we don't think he has it. If you really want to look into it, you can come back. So then when he was seven, he got the test run and got the call that he had it. So that's a very long way of saying he was seven, but I, you know, I think we always knew starting when he was one. Yeah. Wow. That's what a, what a frustrating experience. Yes. But I, I think that in a way it was a gift. Mm -hmm. um, I, I always just like to think positive. I mean, yes, we, he didn't start growth hormone until he was seven, but He's doing exceptionally well, and he had this great pediatrician who was all about treating the Griffin syndrome. And PWS is so complex that you know each kid is so different. And I don't know. I think it allowed us to really just support him mm -hmm. and not project too far in the future. I mean, of course, it was always there in the back of my mind, but it was in the back of my mind, not in the forefront. Right. So you didn't notice any, because um, I know they say that like, you got to get all these early interventions, but yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like he's doing amazing. So yeah, know, I mean, it, we, we were, when I think back, so he was born naturally 
and he had no sucking reflex. Um, but all these things I look back on now and I think what a gift because we taped tubes to our finger and we fed him with a syringe and they never thought to do a swallow study, which I'm sure he would have failed. And then I taped tubes to my breast and they mm -hmm. really, they let him lose weight because they thought he was a preemie and they assumed he would learn to nurse. Mm -hmm. And then he did. And I think just kind of uh, always setting the bar high for him and assuming that he was going to be able to do things and really helped him yeah. in his early years and, you know, through school. So it's not that we ignored. I mean, he was seen. Um, he had early intervention for speech because he was late to talk. Uh, we focused on physical activity all the time. Any excuse we could think of, like, I forgot this upstairs, Griffin. Can you go get it? We used to tell every babysitter, you know, he has to walk to the park, make obstacle courses on the jungle gym. We hike a lot as a family. Um, he worked on a farm a lot. So we always tried to think of ways we could combine like him having to speak and move his body all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I like that. And when you make it more um, about kind of just a lifestyle and not, well, here's this place that we go to for an hour and we do this, but it's just part of the lifestyle, the moving and the talking and the being active. I think that is way more beneficial and less stressful and you know i think it's great yeah i think about that a lot now that i can look back to see what i did i mean we we would check in with a pt every year and she would always say what you're doing every single day is so much better than what it would be to put him in a car drive him here and have him spend an hour with me so <laughs> right. keep doing what you're doing um <laughs> And I'm a big believer in nature therapy. And that has just been such a huge part of his life. Um, and so, you know, every time you go to those appointments, you're really moving away from that. So not that I'm opposed to them, but um, I think that not having that concrete diagnosis allowed me to be more experimental. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, like you said, uh, would the pediatrician call it the Griffin syndrome or? Yeah, the Griffin syndrome. I love that. Yeah. Because, yeah, they, you can really look at the individual and and meet them where they need to be met rather than some, you know, bullet points on a freaking brochure or something. Right. And the PWS diagnosis is so heavy that, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's almost impossible not to project into the future mm. instead of just, and so he was really big about, let's just, who really even cares if he has PWS? What matters is where he is today, but we don't need to project into the future. We'll get to the future when we get there and whatever it's called, it doesn't really matter. Um, so I feel like he really helped us to be present, which is hard with that diagnosis. Yeah. So how was it when you finally did get the official diagnosis? Was there a sense of relief or were you? Um, no, no, no. Way. You were devastated, you know, crying. I think mm -hmm. I had strep throat at the time. I mean, I, yeah, I remember the call. I was, I always hoped that I was wrong. Yeah. 
Well, and he was maybe old enough to to understand, maybe not. I don't know. Freya is, well, she's almost eight. I don't know that she totally gets it, but um, I mean, I assume now he knows about his diagnosis when he's oh, 17. Yeah. So did he know then or was it uh, when he was older? Um, you know, we gave him more and more information as he got older. I, mm -hmm. The first conversation I had with him was probably soon after that diagnosis. He's really good at puzzles, which you know, was one of those things <laughs> on the checklist that I had when he was one. And then, of course, like starting at five, he started like being amazing at puzzles. I'm like, oh, my gosh, not that. So I said that very first conversation was imagine, you know, your body's like a thousand piece puzzle, but it's a 10,000 piece puzzle. You know, he was set. Maybe he was eight. It's crazy that I can't even remember how old he was. Um, no, <laughs> great. first grade. So, um, I said, you know, you're like a 10,000 piece puzzle and there's a piece that it's not even missing so much. It's just not all the way in. It's just a little bit twisted and that, you know, makes the puzzle. That's how I first described it. I mean, I'm sure I said more, uh -huh. um, but he really, that concept made sense to him. And it made sense to me too, because I think I've always thought of it. This is just one piece of him. And it's, there's a whole person there. I love that analogy. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. And it works well for these kids who are good at puzzles. You know, what's so funny as we were doing a puzzle this weekend, of course, <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, I want to start maybe like a puzzle exchange in the PWS community. I haven't worked out the details, but like, imagine we each buy a puzzle and then, the, you know, our kids do it and we take a picture and then we get send it off, you know, because it's just like we do the same puzzles over and over again. Anyway. Well, you're on to something because Griffin, um, you know, now, so he's befriended a few other teenagers with PWS in the country and uh, one of them just graduated from high school and he sent her puzzles and then she sent him puzzles. So it exists. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. But it was okay. funny because he, the first, so the, we, the first time he met anybody or even um, over the internet met people with PWS was about a year ago. And the first like five people he was connected to, one of the first things he wanted to know was like, are you good at puzzles? And none of them were very interested in puzzles. And he was very disappointed until he finally met one. He loves puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cute. Yep. Okay, so he got diagnosed at seven, but you, you didn't tell the school until he was nine, right? Uh, no, we told the school, well, like officially oh. on his record in ninth grade. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, wow. So was he getting services through the school before then for his uh, for speech and stuff? or? No. Um, so he went to a private school. Okay. Right. A Waldorf. Right. A Waldorf school. Yes. Yay, um, Waldorf. Yay. It's <laughs> a great fit for him. Yeah. Oh, my. It's such a blessing. I love, I love Waldorf, especially, yeah. I think, for our, for our kids. It works well. Yeah. So he, we move a lot. We've moved 11 times since Griffin has been born, but all kind of oh, wow. within like a 50 mile radius. Um, 
And I was just saying to Griffin last night, you know, it's kind of like a science experiment and we're always willing to try new things. And some parenting him has kind of been like that. So he was at a Waldorf school for K through three. And then he went to a public school for fourth and fifth. And then he went back to a Waldorf school for six, seven, eight. And now he's in a public school. Um, so we did not disclose to the school or even our closest friends until about a year ago. So how was that? Well, how was the time before that, knowing that he had this diagnosis? And I mean, did it concern you? Were you worried about him being at school with, with was food a big issue then? Or maybe that didn't come on until later? Um, well, I, I had this theory that, um, you know, chances were he was going to have anxiety around food. So whatever I could do to, I thought that having everybody watch him around food would probably just make that worse. Mm -hmm. So as long as I could go without making that happen, I, I wanted to try that experiment. So he was, you know, we, as a family, we eat very healthy. Um, Waldorf school is very healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, if there was a birthday party, even like Waldorf birthday parties, they're pretty healthy. Like right. he, it's fine. Like he could have the cupcake. We had an ice cream cone on a hot day. We do a lot of cooking as a family. Um, I really like how Waldorf incorporates the process of, you know, chopping the vegetables and making the soups and the breads and, and food gratitude. Mm -hmm. So it was not an issue. I mean, you, you pack your own food. There's no hot lunch. There was pizza day, but you know, everybody got two slices of pizza. Um, and he went on play dates and yes, I had tons of anxiety, you know, I, but I let go and it worked. I always tried to find as many opportunities for him to be as independent as possible because he's a really independent kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. So um, it wasn't an issue. Good. So then, let me just say there were moments like where I was like, you know, oh my God, is this it? Is this this big black cloud coming that I've been waiting for? And life as we know it over mm. um but that's not the now i know that's not the way it works it's you know there's there's moments there's slip-ups but it's not like all of a sudden your whole world changes nice that's good to hear because yeah being being someone who's had a diagnosis since you know Freya was three and a half months so um, we've had a lot of years to project, as you you know, as you pointed out, like project under the future, and it, and it could be this, or it could be that, and there is a sense of like, oh, is this the day? Is this the moment? Is this the event? And yeah. um, so it's a nice reminder that you know it doesn't happen that way. It just it's this, you know, it gradually shifts and changes, and uh, you know, it can go this way or that way, and you know, I think it's. Um, may be important to remember that's more fluid than just set in stone it's very fluid yeah it really is 
So how was the reaction? How was that when you did start telling the school or um, especially start telling like your close friends? How was how was that to to have that conversation and how was the reaction? So I'll start with the school. Um, and you know, our path, I think everybody's path on this journey is so individual. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't recommend to other people, um, you know, Griffin is doing great in a lot of, in many, many ways, he's doing amazing. Um, but I'm not saying that the reason he's there is because we didn't disclose to the school or we didn't start growth home until seven. Like we were able to not disclose because in part because he was in a Waldorf school mm -hmm. and we did tell his classroom teacher and you have the same teacher for K through eight. It just wasn't on his record. Right. And we just okay. said, just let us know if you see anything. Um, so that, so then when he's moved over to this public high school, um, he wants to be a doctor or a geneticist. And we felt that the academics weren't supporting his learning style at Waldorf anymore. And we were kind of just keeping him in the bubble and that wasn't fair. So we needed to let him out of the bubble. And we also felt like we wanted him to be facing these challenges while he was still at home with us mm, yeah. rather than off at college. So we disclosed, we moved to a new town uh, with a smaller public school and told them. And, you know, we just said, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen, but here's his diagnosis. And at that point he was on, put on an IEP for health and other impairment. And so he just started high school, just like anybody else, going to the cafeteria, no supports, no nothing. Um, so that, that was a fine conversation. It was a new town. So they just kind of took it with a grain of salt. And we said, you know, he is different than what you might read on the internet and he's doing really well. And we don't want you to prejudge him. I think that was a big part of why, I know it's a big part of why we didn't tell people because we didn't want people to make assumptions about what he could or couldn't do. Right, absolutely. Yeah, that is the, I find the dilemma for me a lot of times when I'm feeling reluctant to mention it to people. Um, it's because of that. Yeah. <clears throat> And then the other thing, now that Griffin's 17, um, we went to one PWS conference and we were on a panel about education specifically, and this topic came up to disclose or not disclose to the school. And there was debate going on and Griffin piped up and said, you know, I think that this is my story to tell. Oof. And I, you know, I'm just at a point where I'm wanting to share it with some people but that's my decision. Yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah. So that, that's part of it. Um, telling friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, my family's always known. Um, it's, it's nice sometimes because now, like when we go to a friend's house for dinner or a barbecue, they're a little bit more aware and they really try to be helpful and 
ask, like, is it okay to put, put our derves out? Um, but it's, it's such a hard thing for people to understand and friends really want to understand. But it's, 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 it's definitely helpful just to be able to be open and honest with, with my friends. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm grateful for my friends. I mean, like I said, Frey has been diagnosed since three and a half months. So if, you know, they've, they were all the friends that were there in the beginning and, and really understand it. And even the ones that have, um, you know, that I've met afterwards. I mean, it's just, for me, it feels really important to have that support net network and to be able to do, they are very helpful at like barbecues and dinner parties and, you know, school functions and all of that stuff. They, um, Freya has a good, strong support network of people looking out for her. But I also appreciated what you said about um, the anxiety around food. And if, if, you know, like, I wonder how much that does increase knowing that like there are all these people are kind of watching out for, and I don't know, maybe she doesn't know. I mean, she's, you know, seven, but um, yeah, I'm just, I'm interested in the different uh, perspectives and, and approaches. So yeah, I mean, Griffin would say once he became a teenager, he definitely voiced like, you create stress by always watching me and having people watch me. Wow. But again, that is very often the level of supervision that he may need to be safe. And he also recognizes that. So it's this push-pull between wanting independence and knowing it might not be appropriate. Right. But I think, you know, as far as your support system for Freya, with, with or without a diagnosis, Griffin had that. You know, there, there were some things that were slightly different about him. And people just intuitively feel that. Mm-hmm. And we had a, you know, we had a great network of friends who were inclusive and their kids were inclusive. Um, and so it, you know, it was there even without the diagnosis. Right. They didn't have to have the, the, the pamphlet on PWS to be supportive right. friends. <laughs> it is hard to explain. I think that's the important thing to note, um, you know, especially for those listening that PWS is a spectrum disorder and it affects people in a variety of ways to, to a variety of degrees. And it sounds like, in, uh, at least in, in many ways, Griffin is um, not as affected, maybe. Um, I don't know if that's the proper way to say it, but, you know, there are kids that would not be able to wait until seven to get a diagnosis, I think. Um, do you know what I'm trying to say? I do. Um, I, yeah, I I understand. I think that it's, it's what's really complicated is you can be, you know, I've heard the term higher functioning or I hear that one a lot, um, higher functioning, PWS. But I, I think that it's a spectrum disorder with spectrums inside of it. So Mm -hmm. just because you might have a higher IQ or, um, be really good at puzzles or really good at math, it does, you could also have some of the most extreme levels of hyperphagia, or you right. could have 
a lower IQ and no hyperphagia, or you could have narcolepsy and no hyperphagia. So right, okay. it's not like if you're doing well, you're necessarily doing well in all those little spectrums inside the spectrums, you know, or more, maybe you have more social challenges. So I think that that's another thing that's really complicated about it. But for Griffin particularly, um, it is hard for people to wrap their heads around because if you met him and spent the day with him, you would just think, wow, what a extremely pleasant teenager. I don't think you would notice anything except for he's extremely pleasant <laughs> teenage boy. I mean, he does, he's really just a nice kid, well-spoken, looks handsome. He's not at all overweight. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about it. Well, and I also want to acknowledge I, um, the, the spectrums within the spectrum. I think that's an excellent way to put that. Cause yeah, when you say spectrum disorder, you kind of picture this line and that there's somewhere on that line. But like you said, there, they can be, you know, there in one spot of the line for one thing. And the, yeah, so it, it is, like you said, it's complex, it's complicated. And I think that's one of the really, um, I think that's like, that's what lends it, lends us to have such uh, fear, but also such hope with this syndrome because there's so so many variables and ways that it can play out, and and we can you know really dig ourselves into that ditch of of fear and like oh god it's gonna be like this, but then there's also you know we can really lift ourselves up with you know oh well anything's possible. So I mean at least that's my experience. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I've always believed anything's possible. Yeah. Well, so I would say wonderful things are possible, you know, like positive outcomes are are very possible. Absolutely. Yes. So let's talk about Griffin and, um, you know, what he's doing, because you told me some of the things that he's doing and and it's just amazing. Um, He went uh, to Puerto Rico, right, on a uh, with on a on a group trip. Yes. So. Really starting at a very young age, Griffin's been very independent. He's super responsible. He's very smart. Um, so he, you know, would, he started working at a farm I think when he was about 10. He'd ride his own bike there. Um, in third grade, he did a lot of fundraising for um, World Bicycle Relief. And he decided that he was going to ride his bike every single day to school to raise awareness and he did and we live in Vermont and there's snow (laughs) and rain and then he became an ambassador for World Bicycle Relief so he presented to schools um, and I think he ended up raising like $8,000 and um, and then he's just always done a lot of amazing things he's been a CIT at a camp uh, a lifeguard. He goes away to these camps in the summer where they go on these wilderness trips. Tenth um, grade, yes, he went to Puerto Rico with a human rights group that, um, that he's part of at school, and they helped with hurricane relief efforts. He's on student senate. He's been a three-sport athlete when he's not injured. Um, He's super involved. I mean, I always hear from his teachers. He's 
a very enthusiastic participant in everything. Today is red, white, and blue day at school because it's homecoming week. And he even like swapped out his backpack so that it was red, white, and blue. <laughs> so he's very engaged. He took a class at the University of Vermont this summer, um, biomedical sciences. It was on like diagnosing different diseases. And oh, wow. he was there on campus by himself, got an A minus in the class. It was a you know college level class. And he did great. He has very high expectations for himself. Uh-huh. I'm always trying to remind him, like, we're just aiming for a B plus. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Just go for a B plus. So when he has little, what he calls slip ups, you know, he's like, one day he got an ice cream that he wasn't supposed to get. Mm. Like, that's fine. You did amazing. Why, why do you even think you weren't supposed to get it? Um, right. So, yeah, he's doing a lot of, a lot of amazing things, um, you know, on top of facing a lot of challenges. Yeah. And didn't you say he went on a solo backpacking trip as well? Yes, he did. That was not last summer, but the summer before he was out for five days solo. And he really wanted to hike the whole long trail, which is the length of the state of Vermont this summer, but he sprained his ankle. Oh, yeah. So what's the, you said he packed his own food and he, and he was out there on his own doing this trail. Did you, were you overly concerned or by now you have enough confidence in his ability that, I mean, I imagine, you know, any, any mother whose child is going hiking in the woods by themselves for five days, you know, and of course I have all girls, so <laughs> I'd be terrified, but um I try to tell him I'm like you have to appreciate how much independence I give you like even for a kid without a diagnosis like yeah exactly don't let their 15 year olds go off solo (laughs) because he's always pushing for more um well this goes back to you know noting that it's not like one day everything changes so um for Griffin when his hyperphagia is more of a challenge. The environment where he is really plays a huge role in that. Mm -hmm. So the woods are his happy place. And he's very competent as far as like, you know, uh, filtering water and managing his stove and tent and all of that stuff, no concerns. Um, He has a, a really good sense of, you know, direction and people, um, so no concerns there. But I did have concerns like, well, what if he eats all his food in the first day? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I just, I really just try to always enforce, there's no judgment, give me a call if, if that happens. Um, but I didn't think it would happen. But yes, of course I worried. And I do a lot of running myself, so I would make excuses where I'd be like, um, I'm just gonna go out on a long trail run and I might run into you today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you knew where he was going. He had cell service. Yeah, on uh, the top of mountains, he had to check in. Yeah, okay. I had to know where he was sleeping. I was totally, yeah, managing it. I could okay. look up, you know, from my house, I can look up at the mountain range where he was. Okay. Yeah. That, seem, that, that seems a little more doable. I, yeah. I'm just picturing um, 
Well, I was just picturing like out here where we live and you know, it's mountain lions and you know, there's no cell service yeah. once you get out in the woods. And um, well, I just, I think that's amazing. And so, the, I mean, the question that I had for all of that was, you know, what have been the major players in, and, you know, making it possible for him to have, you know, all of this success. I don't know if success is the right word, but, you know, this confidence and this capability, you know, this confidence and this capability. But it sounds like, you know, you know, um, your expectations of him, his expectation or his high expectations of himself, you know, is a, is a really big driver in that. Is there anything else that you would, that you would, Think to pull out as like wow this was crucial to who he is and and what he's capable of i think also really listening to griffin he's really in tune with himself and it as his mom i try to to really listen because he's even sometimes when i don't want to hear it he's right so an example of that is, you know, he's never had any support in school. He's doing great. And starting about, well, in the beginning of sophomore year, he was like, I need a one-on-one. -on -one. And what's hard for him is, you know, he, he doesn't appear any different. So he doesn't get any kind of benefit of the doubt from his peers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some of his social challenges are, are very minor so you, you kind of you're like wait did he just stare a little too long or did I imagine that so it's just kind of enough to sometimes um, make a peer kind of step back a little bit but not enough for them to actually acknowledge like oh maybe I should give him the benefit of the doubt in this situation um you know same with sports it's like he's he's an athlete he identifies as an athlete you know, there's Special Olympics and there's varsity athletics and there's not a lot in between. And so he often finds himself in this no man's land. Now I forget where I'm going with this. Uh, just I'm listening to him. So a year ago, he said he needed a one-on-one -on -one and I'm like, no, you don't need a one-on-one. -on -one. You just, you know, that's, you're really going to label yourself and you're doing you just need to like work harder. We need to have new strategies. We can figure this out. And he was right. And um, and this was a negative of not disclosing. I had to fight really hard with the school district to get him that support. And now he has it. Uh, he has a behavior interventionist and it has been so great for him. And he knew he needed that. And he was right and I was wrong. So, you know, he also knew he was capable of being out there for five days alone. Um, and he, he really is good at knowing like, this is something I can do, mom, or this is something I need support on. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to like set the bar high, um, but listen, you know, have him be, especially at the age of 17, really let right. him be the voice and the direction. Yeah. Um, I, I remember hearing, I think at the conference I went to, uh, she was talking about how kids with PWS are great advocates for themselves. Um, so that, you know, which is, which is a good thing. I, I think the, the challenge lies in sometimes they're too strong of advocates for themselves. 
<laughs> in certain situations, but um, yeah. it's it's wonderful that you can have such confidence and and faith in him, and that he can make such good decisions for himself. So that's that's a relief. Yeah, I mean, a lot of his this big plan of, of you know he needs a one on one because he wants to fully focus in class and he wants to do well and he wants to be a doctor. You know, it's kind of his. Mm-hmm. plan um or a geneticist because the doctor might be too much stress and he's like even if i'm not taking the food i'm so distracted with these other kids eating next to me wow. my teachers aren't following the rules and how am i ever going to be able to like practice strategies and figure out like how do i live in this world without more help good so, for him He's taking a really act like I spoke. So it's an ABA therapist who manages the behavior interventionist and Griffin's meeting with them today. And last night he had, you know, just all these ideas about things that they could try and um, different strategies they could use. And so he was right and I was wrong. Oh. so we haven't talked about his siblings at all um but i'm interested in knowing kind of more what like what role they have played in his life if they um i mean other than you know being siblings which i'm sure they fight and they and then they play and you know um how how's that relationship so his brother um elliot is 20 months younger than he is. And then his sister is three years later. Um, Elliot, well, Griffin was just first, you know, an amazing big brother. So a lot of his challenges really didn't present until later. Um, He was very caring, very attentive, you know, would always be there with like their pacifier or you know, soothing them in the car. So he was really, you know, that that relationship was pretty normal. If anything, he was just extra patient and extra caring. And then, um, but then when it got to time to like learn how to read, he had to have support. And his brother, Elliot, he's just always been so amazingly patient. So somehow Elliot learned to read just by listening in to Griffin being taught to read. Mm. And he would, he just would like quietly like fill in the missing word or he's always helped Griffin in a very unobtrusive, like uncompetitive way. Uh, They would play soccer in the yard and somehow Elliot would always keep the score like four, four, five, five, six, six, (laughs) even though he could definitely win like 10 to nothing. Uh Uh-huh. He would let Griffin cheat in games because Griffin hates to lose. Because um, Elliot just loves to play. And, you know, now they're in high school together and I really, I worried a little, like, how's this going to be for Elliot? You know, it's very new that some people now know about Griffin's condition and now he has a one-on-one. And, you know, what, what are you going to say when people ask you questions? And he's just really seems really comfortable with it and unfazed. Um, he's also really good on calling me on um, not overreacting. Like Griffin might do something like take a granola bar 
you know, and then I've got Elliot like, oh no, like a granola bar. Like mom, <laughs> I've had eight of those today. <laughs> and so, but then at the same time, he knows when he needs to tell me something that he knows that's important. So um, it doesn't really, he's it just, it's never been an issue for him. Um, I, of course, I'm like, I do not want my kids to listen to this podcast, which I don't think they will. Um, but then I would say my daughter uh, is having a harder time with it right now. Mm. And so we're just, you know, I'm trying to support her and just let her be able to say, like, this is really hard some days. But it feels like a lot of the attention goes to him or... Mm-hmm. and be disruptive because disruptive because of something that happened or you know she feels like the grandparents always pay more attention to him and it's you know he needs eyes on him a lot of the time so it's that's been challenging for her but um in the world you know she one of a couple of her best friends have their own challenges that are quite significant and she is so supportive of them and kind in school and inclusive and she's a captain on her running team and she was just elected to, to be an ambassador for the school so she's really an, an amazing person and having driven as her brother with these challenges or has only helped her become more compassionate but um there's just the immediate reality of it's not always easy. Mm-hmm. And I, I always just feel like it's really important to be open and honest and be free to say like, yeah, some days it just sucks. It's hard. <laughs> and that's okay. Like that doesn't mean we don't love each other. And um, like, how can we work through this and find a balance? So that's the approach we've taken. Um, but, you know, it's like, who knows where we'll be in a year from now. Maybe the roles will have reversed again. Because things just seem to change really quickly. Yeah, I'm always interested in the sibling talk because Freya has an older sister who's seven years older. And then um, she has a, a little sister who kind of the same as Griffin and Elliot. She's 16 and a half months younger. So, you know, there's a lot of side-by-side development that has happened. And, uh, you know, just kind of waiting, uh, you know, for the, for the day. Well, like you said, it's not a day, but you know, yeah, that, that sentiment that we fear, you know, waiting for the day when like Rona really just kind of surpasses or, you know, just develops far faster. And, um, and it's just a lot more obvious and, and the challenges that come with that, but you know, the lesson I'm getting from this is that it's just never that cut and dry. It's never that, uh, you know, who knows what it's going to be like. Hasn't happened yet. I mean, you know, Freya's reading and Rona's not. And so I'm grateful for that, that we still, when we sit down to read, Freya's still uh, kind of the big sister in that respect. But I, I see it mostly in the peer, in the social interactions, which can, you know, it's like at this day and age, or at this this age, you know, they kind of have similar friends. Because they're so they're so close in age, but you know, I just 
Sometimes, I mean, anytime we have a play date, Freya ends up crying, even if it's one of her friends or one of Rona's friends, like Freya usually ends up crying. We just had our first successful play date the other day because I did a structured activity, which is <laughs> not really my thing. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm rambling now. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's a science experiment. Yeah. You know, it's so true. Like you, you just sometimes have to keep trying new things and then you'll find something that works and it works well for a couple months and then you try something new. Um, but as far as like the siblings close in age and I mean, gosh, if I, yes, Elliot, I'm sure technically has surpassed Griffin, but then that's such a, I don't know, as if we have always really focused on this, the fact that everybody has different strengths mm-hmm. and we openly talk about it a lot. Like we don't pretend it's not there. Um, you know, and Griffin has this amazing strength of seeing people for who they are. And he's really, he works with some of kids, helps out with some kids at school who have disabilities and just the way he can communicate with them. I mean, he has his strengths in the woods. I mean, he's way better in the woods than I am. Elliot is extremely academic. You know, Ava has a beautiful voice. Um, so we don't shy away from talking about these differences. And we've always talked about these differences. So I feel like that helps. Because Freya is going to have her strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the, I feel like I, I've done so much of just kind of keeping them together and kind of doing the same stuff. I don't know, maybe out of fear, just also convenience. But uh you know, Rona has been begging to take this silks class. And I was worried about taking her because it's something that Freya just, she just doesn't have the upper body strength. And there's other things that she can do that she'll be um, a lot better at. So, but there have been some things that have come up with Rona lately where, where it's kind of a, a sign of like, you know, frustration on her part that Freya does get so much attention and does get you know, so much of the, you know, whatever, the thought time and the, and the, um, so I took Rona to Silk's class the other day and Freya handled it really well. You know, Freya, she, she didn't really want to go. It's like, she understood that this was something that Rona was going to do. And it was kind of the first time that Rona got to do something outside of Freya without Freya, like being upset about. So that felt like a good, a uh, victorious moment <laughs> and yeah um, and you're at a stage where you know it's very easy to probably put a lot of things on PWS that a lot of what you're describing sounds totally normal for two siblings who are very close in age right even two kids who have no diagnoses lots of times the younger one surpasses the older one in things um, you know, my son's on a soccer team and there's a freshman and a junior brothers and the freshman is amazing and the junior isn't as amazing. Um, you know, so it's always, I always just try to like pause and be like, okay, let's just try not to overthink things. Right. It's not all PWS. Well, that's like the, the puzzle analogy you had earlier that, um, you know, it was just one little piece of right. who they are and it doesn't 
define everything that they do or that they can do. And, and I think that's such a great reminder. And sometimes that is sadly hard to remember. Um, well, and that's what's so important about having, you know, all these friends who have kids around the same age or even kids a little bit older. It's been helpful. Like my friends who had teenagers before Griffin was a teenager to be like, yep, that sounds a lot like my daughter. <laughs> you know, like these things are normal. They're not abnormal. Um, and like all kids are weird. The more you hang out with kids, they're, they have strange quirks and um, habits. All uh-huh. kids. Yeah. Really yeah. And kids are way more accepting of each other, I feel like, than we are. And especially a kid with a label, you know, uh-huh. We, I feel, you know, you're just, there's this tension and you're looking for things. Um, but kids are more fluid with each other, I think. Mm-hmm. Try to be, think more, yeah, be more like a kid. Because um, <laughs> I see the way they interact, you know, with each other, you know, just in their group, there's different challenges present and they have a, an acceptance. Yeah. Yeah, I'm grateful that Freya gets to go to a Waldorf school and um, and it's a public, or it's a Waldorf inspired, it's a public charter school that's Waldorf inspired, but it's, you know, um, yeah, and she's been there since kindergarten. I was a homeschooling mom. I wasn't sure I wanted to put her in in, in kindergarten, but I thought that it would be good for her to get into this class from the start and then develop the friendships and the relationships from there and kind of so she's in second grade now and you know she's I think she's really comfortable where she is and she likes her classmates and they seem to do really well with her and it's great um but I wanted to um I guess it's uh can I ask you one one more question and then I said like an hour but um I I did actually I, I wanted to follow up on you know other things that I think has led to Griffin's success. Oh yeah, okay. That just listening to you talk, I I think for all children, it's so important to follow their lead and their interests. And you know, Trey is still very young, but she's going to be really great at certain things, and they're going to be the things that she cares about. And you know, for Griffin, that was farming and you know, fly fishing, things that I had no knowledge of. Um, <laughs> And, you know, one sibling loves and the other one doesn't. And it, it's really hard. I get it. When you have three kids, you don't want to be going in different directions. But um, I think also just allowing them to follow those interests. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Quirky they might be. <laughs> yeah. So what's, ne- so what's next for Griffin? He's... Well, he's 17, so he's, you know, coming into the age of adulthood here in the next few years. Um, Is he going, he's planning on going to college right out of high school, I assume? Yes, I am like allergic to planning ahead (laughs) and thinking too far in the future. My friends know this very well. They're always like, you know, can we do this? And two, can we commit to this date? I'm like, I don't, please don't ask me. I I don't know. In fact, we're building a house right now and the kids, you know, will say like to friends, well, we don't know if we're going to live in it until we move into it. Um, 
<laughs> so I have no idea. Like I'm totally open to whatever happens. Nice. Um, I think that it's going to be awesome, whatever it is. But I, I feel like there's this notion that like independence is this golden thing that maybe we want to strive for. And Griffin has helped me let go of that because I see right now with support, he's even more engaged. My husband was great at this one meeting with the school, you know, because they're like, well, he's doing very well. He's doing well in school. He's engaged. And Peter was like, but you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. You have no idea how amazing this kid is. And you're going to see that if you give him the support he needs. And I'm seeing that right now. So I, I'm totally open to whatever happens and I'm gonna be there and advocate for whatever that path is. I want to ask a favor. Are you finding these stories helpful? Are you finding comfort in knowing that you are not alone on your journey? that we all experience frustrations and grief and confusion along with the joys and the laughter and the smiles. Can you help me spread the word so that others can be a part of this community we are creating so they too can have the opportunity to find acceptance, inspiration, comfort, and connection through these stories? In your community, your special needs community, can you share this podcast? Is there an episode that really speaks to you or perhaps discusses an issue you know a friend or peer is grappling with? Send them the link to the episode. Tell them how to find it. I am sharing the word on Instagram and Facebook and in my special needs community, but I need your help also. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. It's one press of a button, and that will be sure that you get the newest episodes as they come out along with getting this podcast higher on the charts. Please rate the podcast and leave leave a review. This also helps get the podcast noticed by more people, some of whom may really need to hear these stories. And also remember that if you would like to share your story, you can email me at walkingwithfreya at gmail.com. Get in touch with me, let me know that you want to share it, and we will figure out how we can do that. I really and truly believe in what it is that I am doing here. I know what benefits can come from sharing our stories, our own reflection, a deeper understanding of our journey, an acceptance, a newfound hope, movement through the grief, connections, and compassion. All of these are such positive aspects that we gain when we share our stories, when we listen to others share theirs, become a part of this community. So thank you for your help in getting this podcast out into the world. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for sharing your story. And thanks for being a part of this special needs community. Because we all need each other. Thanks for being here.